Thank you for joining me for worship today. Today is the ninth Sunday after Pentecost. Our order of service will follow is the service of the word on page 38. We're going to open right now with hymn number 506, O bless the house whate'er befall. Let us praise the Lord. 
and see that the Lord is good. Blessed are they who take refuge in Him. Your word, O Lord, is eternal. It stands firm in the heavens. Your faithfulness continues forever. O taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed are they who take refuge in Him. Our epistle reading for this ninth Sunday after Pentecost is from Colossians chapter 1, verses 21 to 29. In this reading, the Apostle Paul talks about his desire to serve people with the gospel. Paul wrote, Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight, without blemish and free from accusation, if you continue in your faith, established and firm, not moved from the hope held out in the gospel. This is the gospel that you heard and that has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven, and of which I, Paul, have become a servant. Now I rejoice in what was suffered for you, and I fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, which is the church. I have become its servant by the commission God gave me to present to you the word of God in its fullness, the mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations, but is now disclosed to the saints. To them God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. We proclaim him, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone perfect in Christ. To this end I labor, struggling with all his energy which so powerfully works in me. Alleluia, the Lord said, my word will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. Alleluia. Chapter 10, verses 38 to 42. 
This is the story of Jesus coming to visit Mary and Martha, where we see Mary longing to hear the word of God. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord said, you are worried and upset about many things, but only one thing is needed. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. And we'll continue with our next hymn, hymn number 435. Me 
to say, Your will be done, Your faithful word believing. My heavenly friend, I now commend my soul into Your keeping. O'er sin and hell and death as well, The grace and love of our Lord and Savior be with us always. Amen. The Word of God we want to consider today is our Old Testament reading from Genesis chapter 18, verses 1 to 14. Moses writes, The Lord appeared to Abraham near the great trees of Mamre while he was sitting at the entrance to the tent, to his tent in the heat of the day. Abraham looked up and saw three men standing nearby. When he saw them, he hurried from the entrance of his tent to meet them and bowed low to the ground. He said, If I have found favor in your eyes, my Lord, do not pass your servant by. Let a little water be brought and then you may all wash your feet and rest under this tree. Let me get you something to eat so you can be refreshed and then go on your way, now that you have come to your servant. Very well, they answered, do as you say. So Abraham hurried into the tent to Sarah. Quick, he said, get three seahs of fine flour and knead it and bake some bread. Then he ran to the herd and selected a choice tender calf and gave it to a servant who hurried to prepare it. He then brought some curds and milk and the calf that had been prepared and set these before them. While they ate, he stood near them under a tree. Where is your wife Sarah? They asked him. There in the tent, he said. Then the Lord said, I will surely return to you about this time next year, and Sarah, your wife, will have a son. Now Sarah was listening at the entrance of the tent, which was behind him. Abraham and Sarah were already old and well advanced in years, and Sarah was past the age of childbearing. So Sarah laughed to herself as she thought, After I am worn out and my master is old, Will I now have this pleasure? Then the Lord said to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh and say, Will I really have a child now that I am old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? I will return to you at the appointed time next year, and Sarah will have a son. Let's bow our heads for prayer. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, who art our strength and our salvation. Amen. Grace be to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. 
The Word of God we want to consider today, this ninth Sunday after Pentecost, is our Old Testament reading from Genesis chapter 18. We're looking at verses 1 to 14. Moses was inspired to write, The Lord appeared to Abraham near the great trees of Mamre while he was sitting at the entrance to his tent in the heat of the day. Abraham looked up and saw three men standing nearby. When he saw them, he hurried from the entrance of his tent to meet them and bowed low to the ground. He said, If I have found favor in your eyes, my Lord, do not pass your servant by. Let a little water be brought, and then you may all wash your feet and rest under this tree. Let me get you something to eat so you can be refreshed and then go on your way now that you have come to your servant. Very well, they answered, do as you say. So Abraham hurried into the tent to Sarah. Quick, he said, get three seahs of fine flour and knead it and bake some bread. Then he ran to the herd and selected a choice tender calf and gave it to a servant who hurried to prepare it. He then brought some curds and milk in the calf that had been prepared and set these before them. While they ate, he stood near them under a tree. Where is your wife Sarah, they asked him. There in the tent, he said. Then the Lord said, I will surely return to you about this time next year, and Sarah, your wife, will have a son. Now Sarah was listening at the ent entrance to the tent, which was behind him. Abraham and Sarah were already old and well advanced in years, and Sarah was past the age of childbearing. So Sarah laughed to herself as she thought, after I am worn out and my master is old, will I now have this pleasure? Then the Lord said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh and say, will I really have a child now that I am old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? I will return to you at the appointed time next year, and Sarah will have a son. Let's bow our heads for prayer. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, who art our strength and our salvation. Amen. My dear fellow redeemed, on a visit to America years ago, years ago, Princess Diana stopped at an American department store. The store was closed pretty much, so she was able to look around on her own with other advisors around, of course. But she looked around and she saw this red and black polka dot silk scarf. And she said to her aide, this is very smart looking, and instructed the aide to buy a scarf like that for her. After she had the scarf purchased, then what happened is that several men from the British Embassy, they went running in the same direction to get the same scarf, presumably for their wives. And then there was a the wife of an executive at the store who bought a scarf as well for her daughter. And she said, 
She'll be thrilled to have a scarf like Princess Diana. And then, later on, when the store opened to the public, it was kind of amazing how the people who entered the store, they kind of zeroed in on that area, and everybody wanted to have a scarf just like Princess Diana. Oh, that the people of the world would take their cue from the Lord as much as all of those people took their cue and their motivation from something that Princess Diana did. Oh, that we'd take our cue from the Lord and follow his example, that we'd look to his words and his actions and his attitudes and and follow that in the course of our lives. But the fact is, is that we're often inclined to think about what other worldly characters are doing. And some of those worldly characters, not such great examples. Oh, youth of today, they like to follow the example of, oh, musicians and actors and athletes. And, well, some may be good people, you could say, but some, well, maybe they're in trouble with the law, maybe they're, maybe they've done drugs, maybe they have a bad reputation. What parent would like to have a child who idolizes someone like Deshaun Watson? You know, he's in trouble with the law right now because of sexual harassment charges or, or think back to Bill Cosby, someone who had a great reputation and it was all all shot, huh? But yet people can have people like that as their examples, their examples to follow in this life. And what a sad thing that is. Wouldn't it be great if everybody in our world took as his example the Lord Jesus? looked at him and his love and his care and his concern and followed that in their lives or, or followed the example of believing people in the Bible or Christians today who have a good reputation. In our reading for today, what the Lord is doing is he's encouraging us to imitate Abraham's life of faith to imitate Abraham's life of faith. And when we think of his life of faith, there are several aspects of his life of faith that we can consider. His humility, his hospitality, his generosity, and his trust in the promises of God. Just before our reading in the chapter before, we heard about the Lord appearing to Abraham and going over some of the promises again that God had made to Abraham over the years. He told Abraham that he would be the father of many nations and well with that he had changed his name from Abram which means exalted father to Abraham which means the father of many. And that was to testify to that promise that he be the father of many nations. The Lord also promised Abraham that what he was going to do is give to him and his descendants 
the entire land of Canaan as an inheritance from, from the Lord. And the Lord promised to Abraham and Sarah that they would have a son whose name was Isaac. And, and ultimately he talked about how that promised son would be the ancestor of the promised one, the Savior himself. But God made all of these promises to Abraham. And Abraham's faith in God is something that we'd have to say is really pretty amazing. Here he is, he's a 99-year-old man. A 99-year-old man, he'd heard God's promises for years. But he hadn't really seen any of the fulfillment of any of those promises. He's 99 years old. He didn't own any land. He and Sarah didn't have the son yet that God had promised, and humanly speaking, they shouldn't have been able to have it anymore, right? But Abraham believed the promises of God. He believed the promises of God. And again, an amazing faith in what God did is God said to him, as a sign and a seal of all of those promises, God was going to institute circumcision. And circumcision was that Old Testament counterpart to our New Testament baptism. It was that sign and seal to Abraham that, and to Abraham's descendants that said God was going to keep his promises. And Abraham, well, God said to do this and and in faith, he, that very day, had himself circumcised, all of the males in his household circumcised as well. And now, sometime after that, that's when our text takes place, that here these three men appeared, came to Abraham. The Lord and two angels, we know, were those three men. Our reading says, Abraham looked up and saw three men standing nearby. When he saw them, he hurried from the entrance of his tent to meet them and bowed low to the ground. Abraham was one of the wealthiest men in the, in the land at that particular time. And here were these three guests that showed up and and Abraham, one of the wealthiest men in the world, he bowed low to the ground. And now, did he recognize who these three men were? Probably not. He did say, if I have found favor in your eyes, my Lord, do not pass your servant by. But the Hebrew word for my Lord here is a word that really could be replaced by the word sir, just showing honor, respect honor, respect, not a reference saying that he knew that this was the Lord. This was just someone he was showing honor and respect to. And from this occurrence, we would, we would be led to believe that whenever anybody came to visit Abraham, he also always would show them this kind of humility and willingness to serve and to help them out as they're doing their travels. And although the words weren't written yet, you could say that Abraham had taken to heart the words that the Apostle Paul would write when he said 
do not think of yourself more highly than you ought. He wasn't thinking of himself as better than others. He had this Christian humility in his life. In a painting of the crucifixion by the Dutch painter, famous painter Rembrandt, a person's attention is first drawn to the, to the cross and to Christ and to the fact that he was being crucified there in order to pay for our sins and to win for us salvation. Your attention then next is drawn to the people who are standing there and their attitudes and how they were dealing with the situation. And then your eyes drift off to the corner of the picture where you see this small figure. And that small figure is actually Rembrandt himself. And by painting himself into that picture like he did, what he was trying to say is this. My sins nailed the Savior there, but he died for me, and I believe it. You know, Rembrandt's humble faith similar to the humble faith of Abraham. The humble faith of Abraham and the humble faith that I pray each of us also has by the grace of God. A humble faith that's able to look at Christ and look at his crucifixion and be able to, well, join Rembrandt in saying, my sins nailed the Savior on the cross but he died for me and I believe it. Abraham demonstrated some gracious hospitality for these guests who showed up at his door. It was the heat of the day, it was a dry, dusty climate, and because of that, feet washing was something that was a way to make visitors feel welcome and relaxed. And, well, that's what Abraham saw to immediately for these guests. A, a good host would not neglect that expression of welcome and civility. Abraham did show that great hospitality here. His, his attitude was quite different from well, maybe you can remember a couple of weeks ago, five weeks ago in our gospel reading, we heard about Simon the Pharisee. He had Jesus over to his home for dinner, but he didn't think about having anything ready for Jesus to wash his feet. Instead, there was this woman with a bad reputation who was sorry for her past sinfulness. She came to Jesus, she wet his feet, with her tears, she dried his feet with her hair, and she kissed his feet, and, and she poured perfume on his feet. There also, like with Abraham, we saw hospitality and humility in caring for a guest. And really, it is amazing to think about what Abraham was ready to do for his guests on this particular day. He saw to taking care of things on his own. He, he got things organized so that his servants could get things ready. But he basically saw to things himself to make sure that those guests were taken care of. 
such great hospitality, and his generosity under these circumstances, that's also amazing. It's surprising. He says, let me get you something to eat. The Hebrew there literally says, let me fetch you a piece or morsel of bread. And what an understatement that was. Our reading says, So Abraham hurried into the tent to Sarah. Quick, he said, get three seahs of fine flour and knead it and bake some bread. Then he ran to the herd and selected a choice tender calf and gave it to a servant who hurried to prepare it. He then brought some curds and milk and the calf that had been prepared and set these before them. Nomads of, Jesus, of Abraham's day, they didn't have meals prepared beforehand that were ready to serve when someone showed up. They remember, there was no such thing as microwaves and freezers at that particular time. So when meals were needed, they were put together pretty much right there on the spot. Pretty much right there on the spot. They made bread a staple for their diets regularly before, before each meal. And the amount of food that was prepared here is something that really actually is kind of amazing. It shows Abraham's generosity. It says three seahs of flour. That doesn't mean too much to us, but that's a, a bushel of flour. I don't even know how much bread could be made from that much flour. Meat wasn't a regular staple in their meals. It was something that was saved for special occasions and festivals or feasts. Yet Abraham not only served his guests meat, he picked a choice calf and, and had it prepared with all the fixings, everything as best as it could be done. He gave his guests more than a light snack or a light lunch. He set a feast before them and didn't even join them. Our reading says, while they ate, he stood near them under a tree. Oh, quite a few years ago, I remember a couple of instances two opportunities close together that happened for me where, where I had the opportunity to be generous and hospitable to, to strangers. The first one, oh, I was out on a run and I saw someone on State Street whose car had stalled out and I stopped to talk to the man and found out that he had run out of gas and decided well, he had a young child in the back seat of the car, and, and it was a hot day, so I said I'd go home and I'd get some gas and I'd come back and help him on out. And then there was another instance the next day. I had come over here to church, and as I came over to church, there were some people next door at the house next door, and these workers were wanting to install seamless gutters on that house and what they did is they approached me and said they wanted to plug in their equipment to the electricity here at the church and I was a bit reluctant because of 
uh, running long extension cords and other things. And, and when I was a bit hesitant like that, what they did is they angrily drove away and they said, that's not very Christian of you. Their reaction kind of made me wonder if there was good reason for me to be reluctant in that situation. I don't know. But those two situations and this sermon text made me realize that it really is important for us to keep, to keep praying to our God for wisdom and guidance to help us be hospitable and generous when God would want us to be hospitable and generous. And you know, it's not always easy for us to know when we should be hospitable and generous. I think we'd want to err on the side of helping too much than helping too little, of course. But for an example here, I don't want my wife to let strangers into the parsonage and I don't want her stopping for stalled vehicles along the road. But if she saw someone in trouble, I surely would want her to maybe let me know or or call 911 or call the police. I'd want her and I'd want all of you to try to help those who seem to be in need without putting yourself in jeopardy. In the book of Hebrews, we're told, do not forget to entertain strangers, for by so doing, some people have entertained angels without knowing it. So keep on praying to God for wisdom and guidance to be hospitable and generous to, uh, to show others the love that God has shown to you in Christ Jesus. Finally, as we look at Abraham's faith, his life of faith, we have to be amazed by his trust in the promises of God. The Lord said to Abraham, I will surely return to you about this time next year, and Sarah, your wife, will have a son. Sarah was eavesdropping on this, and you can understand her doing that. And she did laugh in disbelief. She was 89, 90 years old at this particular time, and it's understandable that she would have her doubts about having a child except for one thing the Lord had said that it was going to happen now by God's grace Abraham believed that promise and now just think about well he believed that promise he believed the promise of the Savior from God and now as I said, just think about how much easier our lives would always be if we always trusted in God's promises to us. If we always trusted in His promises, His promise to always be with us, His promise to make everything in our lives work together for our good. If we trusted God's promise, well, when Scripture says, if God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him 
graciously give us all things. Or as our text says, is anything too hard for the Lord? And the answer, of course, is no. Nothing is too hard for the Lord. When he makes a promise, he keeps it. I want to be like, now fill in the blank. How would you or your how would you or your children fill in that blank? Hopefully we're all inclined first to say that I want to be like Jesus. I want to follow his example and show his love to the world. And then of course after we've thought about I want to be like Jesus. Then what we can also do is think about other believing children of God. Oh, people like Abraham. Abraham, he knew he was a sinner. He knew he was a sinner, but he knew of God's love for sinners like us. And he knew the promises of God. And what he also did is he did everything he could to reveal God's love to the, to the world around him. And now, that's what we'll want to be like. Imitate, well, imitate our Savior first. But imitate Abraham's life of faith. And think about you know, his humility, his hospitality, his trust, his generosity, and his trust in our Lord and Savior. Amen. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, shall keep our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. Let's confess our faith with the Apostles' Creed. It's on page 41. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. From there he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. And let's pray. O God, give us bread. Give us bread to nourish our bodies, and in Christ, give us the bread of eternal life to nourish our souls, that in him we may grow and thrive spiritually and serve one another. We pray through your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. In our prayers today, oh, maybe you notice that I'm, I'm, I'm recuperating, recovering from throat issues that are a consequence of having had COVID this past week. 
and struggling with my voice a bit when there are others in our congregation that I've also learned about dealing with COVID. And so when, when we pray today, we'll, we'll think of those dealing with COVID, struggling with that. We'll think of, oh, Paula Burris continuing to deal with knee and shoulder and other infections. We think of, oh, Pat Bodell, who's going to be having that heart surgery, heart valve surgery coming on up soon. We think of Stan Krosick dealing with shingles and, oh, we think of all of the different people in our congregation with their trials and troubles and we say, Lord God, please be with us in our trials and troubles. According to your will, grant healing, but especially keep on giving to us your grace and love. Build us up and strengthen us in our faith in our Savior, Jesus. Give us a faith like that of Abraham that always works to show your love to the world. We pray this in Jesus, our Savior's name. And in his name, we gather up all of the prayers we have today as we join in praying. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look on you with favor and give you his peace. Amen. And we'll join in singing our prayer for our country. God bless America, land that I love. Stand beside her and guide her through the night with a light from above. From the mountains to the prairies, to the oceans, white with foam. God bless America, my home, sweet home. God bless America, my home, sweet home. Thank you for joining me for worship today. Just a couple quick announcements to share with you. Well, uh, Monday is Ruth's and my 40th anniversary. Thursday, Nathan Polomo has a birthday, and Saturday, Hunter Plotty has a birthday. Um, we have a, a few folks in our congregation dealing with COVID, like, well, mentioning names but uh, please keep them in your prayers and and I think that that's pretty much what I have for announcements 
Again, thank you for joining me for worship. The Lord bless and keep you always.